Welcome to the Focus Today podcast with Perry Atkinson. Okay, welcome back. And we also welcome back today, uh, Walter Hoy, he's an ordained Baptist minister. He serves both as president and founder of Issues for Life Foundation. Uh, he's the California Civil Rights Foundation, the founder of the Frederick Douglass Foundation of California, and is a core member of the National Black Pro-Life Coalition. You can go to issues, the number four, life.org. Issues, the number four, life.org. Walter, good to see you again, friend. How are you? I'm doing good. How you doing? Good. Welcome back. Good to see you. You know, the last time we had you on, we got disconnected, but we were in a good discussion. <laughs> And I want you to pick up from there where we talked about your mission to promote life within the black community. Tell us about that. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I was doing some research a, a while ago, and I, I found some information about total fertility rates. And to get this started, you've got to understand that the 2.1 total fertility rate is also the replacement level. It means that if every woman has 2.1 kids, your demographic, whatever it is, will not grow larger. It, it won't get less. It'll just maintain. It's the replacement level. Well, in 1850, the black America a fertility rate was 7.9. So I was feeling pretty good. But in 1950, 100 years later, it dropped down to 3.6. That's a 54% decline. I started to worry. But then by 1975, oh, my goodness. It went down to 2.3, and we're looking at a 36% decline. Today, today, Black America's total fertility rate is 1.7, so we're below the replacement level. We're no longer replacing ourselves. In other words, we're becoming fewer, fewer, and fewer. Okay. Um, is this message you just shared with us, is it available or getting into the black church oh my goodness uh it, it's it's available but i don't believe it's getting into the black church so what do we do coach you know we, we, we've got to realize that there's a specific way to get into the black church you've got to be able to deal with the the conference of national black churches we're talking about the cndc and they're probably the most powerful uh, black organization in america today today. And if you can't deal with that, then you've got to find some other ways to getting it into the church. Um, are you asked to go preach there? <laughs> the CNBC is an organization. It's a conference. It makes up right now seven of the largest black church denominations in the entire country. That's why it's the most powerful. The chairman is Franklin out of New York. And Franklin sits on Al Sharpton's Network Action Network. And so nationwide, uh, this one organization is, is pretty much in charge of the black church in America. Okay, so um, I, I realized, I think in talking to you in the past, Walter, that this is a difficult topic for the black pastor to handle because of the abortion rate within the church. Various levels, various reasons, various conditions. However, it's pretty clear uh, that, uh, that the abortion subject is um, a big one there. How do you 
How do you get a black pastor comfortable dealing with this subject? Well, one, you got to be able to deal with him one-on-one, -on -one, and that's what we do at the Issues for Life Foundation. We have what we call an underground railroad. And, and what we do is that we will meet the pastor that the Lord impresses on my heart that this pastor really does embrace the Bible, embrace the, the biblical definition of life, really does embrace the, the Word of God. Then he, he becomes a candidate. He, he can get invited to our underground railroad. And what happens there is just awesome. We'll take him and his wife. And by the way, if his wife can't come, he can't come. And we'll take them to an undisclosed location and we'll hold them there for four days. And at the end of four days, we've, we've really moved pastor from A to B. Wow. Can you share with us what that curriculum is? <laughs> well, uh, they, they love it because it cost them absolutely nothing. We just love them from the very beginning. They don't even have to give their credit card for their hotel incidentals. And that's not where the, the, uh, the Underground Railroad actually takes place. But then I have a medical team. My medical team consists of former black abortionists that stopped doing abortions because they met the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and gave their life to him so they couldn't do it anymore. So they're talking to doctors, black doctors who are right there. And then we had the number one OBGYN in America, black OBGYN in America, and she was just awesome. And the message she had for the women sitting there was just undeniable. We have a, a civil rights team and Dr. L.B. the King is on our civil rights team. We have an abortion recovery team. And oh, my goodness. You know, there are a lot of abortion recoveries, ministries all across the nation. But in America, there's only two that I would trust with black pastors. And these two are on our team. And what they can share in terms of abortion recovery, this husband and wife combination, one's in, in, in Los Angeles, one's in Minnesota. It's undeniable. They're They're awesome. And then we have one more. It's just, well, we have more, but this one more I've got to mention. She put together a, a, a group of young black women in her church, and she had over 200. And every one of these women committed themselves to abstinence, abstinence. Some were virgins, some were not, but they had all committed to abstinence. They were going to wait until God sent them a husband and when the fellas find out, oh, my goodness, you can do this, and the fellas find out, well, this is what can happen. And when the fellas found out what's really going on with abortion in black America, that changed everything. That is fantastic, Walter. Um, can you share with us maybe some of the transformations of a pastor after they've gone through your four days? Oh, my, oh my goodness. Let me start with this one. I, I, I've been to numerous conferences. They're great. They're wonderful. I think the conferences are awesome. But the conferences are like 200, 300, some even 500 black pastors were all there and they're good. They're awesome. I'm not complaining. But if you're going to have that intimate conversation, mm, you know, when you get right down to it, you can't have it in a large group. Let's say you're struggling with, with alcohol or drugs. It's that small group. It's that alcohol anonymous group. It's that small group that you go to. So our underground railroad consists of seven to nine black couples, pastor and, and wife, that's it. And in that, in that small group, we have that intimate conversation. And in one of our underground railroads, a pastor got up, 
He was angry. He was mad. He was talking to one of the former black abortionists. And he asked, well, why did you stop doing it? You were making tons of money. And he, and he was. And then he said, well, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And at that point, the pastor broke. And he confessed his sin in front of his wife right there. The impact of Underground Railroad is off the chain. Gosh, that is beautiful. Let me ask you one question I know you deal with in this Underground Railroad. You have said that abortion is black genocide, and you also have said, and the statistics back you up, that the leading cause of death in the black community is abortion. What happens to a pastor when that resonates within their brain? Oh my goodness, you have to, that, that begins to challenge and then change his perspective on his position on abortion. I mean, you've got to understand that between 18 and 64, and this is according to blackdemographics.com, this is their, their data, oh my goodness. Black women from 18 to 64 make up about 6% of all women in the United States of America. Now, according to the CDC, this is the 2020 CD report. This is the brand new report. Black women account for 39.2% of all abortions. And this is where the pastors get it. This is where the pastors get it. I have to take that 39% and then I do the math. That accounts for 130,000 plus deaths. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Now, when I talk to him about it, I take it one more step. I say, well, oh my goodness. Do you know that according to the government, the number one cause of death in black America is heart disease? That's 80,000 plus. But abortion alone, alone is 130,000. And then I take it even one more step for us. I said, well, you know, the number eight cause of death in black America is homicide. Whether it's white on black, black on black, it doesn't matter. Homicide. And that amounts to 9,000. Oh, my goodness. But abortion is a 1,335% more than even homicide. And oh my goodness, it starts to sink in. It starts to get to their heart. And then we got to start talking about it and dealing with it in a realistic manner. Wow. One, one, one more question here before I take a break. Uh, as you see these pastors transform right in front of you, uh, I'm sure their their brains and hearts are racing with what they have ignored in their ministry. At the same time now, they have to be going back to their pulpits with the understanding that not only about what abortion is all about, but the amount of members within their congregation that have gone through abortions, whether it's the woman or the man, and what a post-abortion ministry looks like. How do you handle that? Well, that, that's part of what we, we share while we're there. I, I can remember in, in, in my church years ago, uh, we, we, we started a ministry. And a ministry w w was called uh, abortion loss. And you know what? Nobody showed up. Nobody showed up. And then we sat down, we thought about some more, we changed the name to grief and loss. Then everybody showed up. And what we had done was prepare the instructor to be able to deal with abortion recovery. And oh my goodness, it was great. You see, once you realize how the black church is organized, where the pastor can preach on abortion, you know, at noon, be done by one, and by three o'clock that afternoon, 
be voted out of his pulpit and be homeless in the street. You got to come up with some kind of way where he can actually implement some life-saving ministry regarding abortion and keep his job. And what we do is that while they're there for those four days, while they're there in our undisclosed location, the Underground Railroad, we get a chance to share with them how to do ministry. And then after that, my wife and I will go back and visit with them and sit down and talk about the individual specifics to that church and we'll help them even further. Gosh, Walter, that's just amazing. Let me take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back. I got some more questions for him. His website is issuesforlife.org and that's the number four, issuesforlife.org. We'll be right back. We'll be back to this week's interview in just a few seconds. In the meantime, we want to let you know that you can watch this interview, plus many more exclusive interviews that happen this week on the Dove's daily TV and radio show by visiting our website, thedove.us. And while you're there, sign up for our free daily devotional, The Word for You Today. Three months of daily readings that will connect you with God's Word. Now, back to the show. to have back with us today, Walter Hoy. He's a ordained Baptist pastor. He serves as both president and founder of the Issues for Life Foundation, the California Civil Rights Foundation, and founder of the Frederick Douglass Foundation of California, and is a core member of the National Black Pro-Life Coalition. Let me encourage you to check out his website. He's a frontline warrior in what he's doing by educating black pastors on all of this. Issues for Life issuesforlife.org. Walter, um, your Underground Railroad operation is just amazing. God bless you. This is just terrific. Um, one of the things we hear in all of this is the fight for justice. And I'm trying to figure out in my mind where this topic comes into the argument based upon the fact that it appears at times, and you can confirm or not confirm this, that the um, black Americans are literally targeted by the abortion industry. And how could this possibly be justice? Are those two connected in any way? Absolutely. There is absolutely no question that black Americans are targeted by the abortion industry. And this goes way back to Margaret Sanger, the very founder of Planned Parenthood. Oh my goodness, and you know, she came up with the Negro Project. I, I, I wanna make this real quick, mention real quick. It, 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 there wasn't an Italian project, there wasn't a white man project, there wasn't an Asian project, but there had to be a, a Negro project. And she gathered together some of the, the, the top uh, black American voices at her time, and she targeted black America with, at that point, birth control, because she was trying to make sure that there was none of us left. Oh, oh my goodness. Well, that, that, that project has really come all the way up to today. Black Americans are still being targeted. When you take a look at where the abortion clinics are located, we're talking, you know, what, 70, what, plus percent of the abortion are located in, in communities of color, Hispanic, or black American communities. Oh, my goodness. And so there's absolutely no question. And then the data, it speaks for itself. We're literally only 6% of the black 
American women are 6% of the women population here in America, yet we're 39% of all abortions. I mean, that's not an accident. And I think that's clear. You know, as I process what you're trying to do here, um, can you imagine what would happen now that Roe versus Wade has been overturned, has been pushed back to the states, and I understand there's about 17 states now passing aggressive uh, pro-life laws. 20 states have come together in a coalition that are going to be pro-abortion. Uh, so the, the lines are being drawn out there. But if, if the black church, if I could be so significant, if the black church stood up and said no to abortion, what that would mean across the country? You know, let's be honest. Abortion exists only because we do. We were the target. We were the reason it got started to, to begin with. It first became legal in 1967. Many people don't know that. It was legal in Colorado. It was legal in Mississippi and legal in California. And oh my goodness, that's back in 1967. And so it is absolutely clear what, we, what we've got to do. We've got to be able to, to come together. And the impact that it would have is that it would end abortion. If I took 40% of your budget and just threw it away, I'm not so sure you guys would still be in business anymore. And so it's the same thing. If we stop Black America from being the leader, oh my goodness, being the leader uh, in participating in, in abortions, or we stop Planned Parenthood from targeting Black Americans, my goodness, that would change the landscape dramatically. I want to come back to you working with uh, pastors on your underground railroad. I love that term, by the way, brother. That's great. <laughs> I love that term. Um, there, there's got to be an, an amazing theological revelation in their brains when all this is given to them of what they have maybe, I would say, just ignored biblically. Can you share that? Uh, just a little bit. Uh, there, I, I wrote years and years ago, there are four reasons why uh, black American leaders reject the, the pro-life movement. And to get into those reasons, you've got to have an intimate conversation. It's not that he don't know. It's not that the, the, the Bible isn't clear. The verses speak for themselves, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament. Christ himself is extremely clear. There's no question where life starts and where life begins. There's no question about the, the child being a person inside the womb. We've got examples of that in, in the Bible, old and new. There's no question about that. But there's a personal reason that if you can't deal with that personal reason, then you really can't get to the, the real reason why they're doing this or they're doing that. So what the Underground Railroad does is that we bring them into a safe location. I can't have this conversation in their office, right there in their church office. I can't have this conversation in this city, maybe at a restaurant. Maybe the person serving this is a member of their church. I can't have it there. But we take them somewhere they've never been, they don't know, it's undisclosed, they're safe, it's, it's a secret location. Oh my goodness, there, we can have that intimate conversation. So, Michael, can you, or excuse me, Walter, can you help me understand why a black pastor would be adamantly pro-abortion? Well, the number one reason, I'll talk about that one. I'll leave the rest of them alone. But the number one reason is that there's an abortion in his life somewhere. 
it's his mom or dad. It could be his wife. Oh my goodness, it could be his son or his daughter. If he's a black pastor preaching to a black congregation, well, our numbers are so disproportionate, probably the entire congregation is post-aborted. But here's the worst case scenario for us. This is the most difficult case. It's a black pastor and his 15-year-old girlfriend in the back of the choir. He's married and he stole church money to play Planned Parenthood. Now, if that's the case, if that's the case, you can have the pamphlet, you can have the video, you can have the brochure, you can have the conference. That's not going to do it. You've got to be able to have that intimate conversation. And if, when and if you can do that, well, now you can get right down to the real reason. Okay, I want to see if we can bridge something here. Um, we've watched in the last two and a half, three weeks, a revival break out at Ashbury Christian College. They had to end that because of the logistics of the crowd. It's now spread to, the last number I've heard, was 17 colleges. Here's the core of this so-called revival. A genuine heart of repentance. I mean a genuine heart of repentance. Which is, to me is the foundation of all societal change is when we realize we have to reach outside ourselves to the creator of all things and the giver of sustainer life and realize our life is not clean before him and we repent. Do you think that that spirit of genuine repentance, not only as it relates to just life in general, but to this issue we're talking about, that we would ever see this kind of a revival within the black church? Oh, it, it's absolutely. And, and God himself is in charge. There's nothing our Lord and our Savior, our God, can't do. And it doesn't take, you know, a, a whole bunch of us. It really could, God could just use one person and start a revival, very much like he did with Ashbury. And so what we need to do is continue to pray, have faith, believe, go to work, and trust God to make the difference in our community. Because the reason I ask that, uh, Walter, is the work that you're doing with the Underground Railroad, it would seem to me that at the breaking of the revelation of what these pastors are seeing that you're bringing to them, there's got to be a breaking moment in their heart. Oh, God, forgive me. Are you seeing that? Well, absolutely. There, there, there's a point where it becomes very obvious that pastor has made a mistake. It's become very obvious where pastor is now regretting what he's done. He's still concerned about, well, how can he continue to preach in his pulpit if he's going to do this? And this is where we come alongside of him and share with him ways that he can do this and still be pastoring in his pulpit. And then as he does that, we'll go back afterwards and we'll visit with him. As he, as he does that, God strengthens him more and more and more. He gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And then he has some ideas. He has some things that he thinks he can do. And that's great. And he begins to do it. But it starts with that individual. It starts with that one conversation where you get down to the real reason. And when you do when you start talking about the real reason, now you're talking to the heart. And that makes all the difference in the world. I'm just kind of curious. Um, how does the Lord lead you to go to a certain pastor? Yeah, I, I, I travel a lot. Not as much as we used to before the pandemic. But in my traveling, I, I meet pastors all along. And we'd have a conversation. 
and we just start talking about it. And oh my goodness, the Lord would impress upon me, well, yeah, this pastor gets it. He gets it. Then he would become a, a candidate for it. But it starts with just a regular conversation. Uh, the, the guys pretty much know who I am. They, they know what I do. It's, it, it's not a secret. Uh, I may be at a conference. I may be speaking at a conference. I may be on a panel at a conference. And so it's, it's pretty obvious, you know, what I do. And when we start talking, well, we start talking very specifically. I'm going in a certain direction. I, I'm looking for some signs. I'm praying and asking God to open up my eyes. And God does. Walter, thank you. You're a blessing. You're an inspiration. Let me say to our viewers and listeners, check out Issues for Life. That's the number four, issuesforlife.org. There's a picture of Walter's landing page. Support him. Help him to do these underground railroad interventions. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. Thank you, brother. Thanks for your time. Keep up the good work. Take care and God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to this week's Focus Today podcast. Remember, you can visit our website to check out all the interviews we did this week on our daily Focus Today TV show at thedove.us. And if you like this podcast, please take a moment to rate us and share it with your friends.